Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Vent. This is Vent Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Get a cracking. Santos, Nuruddin, Vent Weekly. COVID 19 is still about, and we're still self isolating and remote recording this podcast. But today we're talking about something completely different swimming. What do I love about swimming? I love that it uses all your body. I started lessons when I was really young. I think I was about six. It is the most spectacular feeling. As a black female swimming teacher and swimmer, I really only have positive things to say. There's an important link with healing and being in water. What I love about swimming is how free and liberating it can feel. Today, we've invited BBC journalists Seren Jones and ex-competitive swimmer Shana Piercy to talk about swimming for black women in the UK. Hey, Seren and Shana. Could you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Seren Jones, a BBC journalist, and I was an ex-competitive swimmer for about 13 years, and I'm from Cardiff. Hi, I'm Shana. So I was an ex-competitive swimmer from a young age, but I've only been competing for four years, and now I'm a full-time student studying modern languages at university. Yeah, that's dope, man. I, that's, I just want to take one second to say swimming is actually a really, really, really competitive sport and, and demanding, physically demanding. So I respect you guys for actually being the top tier in, in this in this form because like I know when I was doing swimming, like one lane, I'm tired. I can't even carry on. So <laughs> big, big, big props to you guys. Thank um, you. Seren, you made a documentary called Black Girls Don't Swim for the BBC. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So I made this radio documentary last summer. I swam uh, competitively from the age of eight till I was about 21, 22. Damn, wow. And um, the one thing I'd realised when I was swimming was that there were hardly ever any black girls in the sport. And um, I always find it quite weird because we know black women are athletic. We know we're good because if you look at dry land sports, not only are we there, but we're like dominating. We're on the podiums, you know, Mm -hmm. tennis, netball, basketball, track, like the representation is there and the standards high. But this never really trickled down into water sports. So I wanted to take the time to try and investigate why why that is really. Um, and, And from a young age, you know, my sister, my old sister, she was a brilliant swimmer. But one of the reasons why she decided to quit when she was around 16, um, I remember her saying, I want to study, uh, I want to get good grades, I want to go to university, but I also want to have good hair. So that's something that stuck with me for a long time. And I wanted to find out how much um, the hair factor contributed to why we see so many, uh, so little black women in the sport. How was it from age eight, like starting actually competitive swimming? 
Um, it was it was a strange one, really. The reason why me and my sisters, there are three of us, the reason why we got into swimming in the first place is because my mum, who's my, my black Zimbabwean parent, she nearly drowned as a child. Wow. Swimming wasn't a priority. And mm. she always basically said, I don't want you girls to have the same experience or to be part of the statistics because we do know that not many black people in our country think of swimming as a priority. So she basically chucked us in the water and we had no choice but to learn. Eventually, uh, we ended up joining a competitive team in Cardiff at the time. And it just kind of went from there, really. Uh, Swimming, like you said before, is such a demanding sport. Like the more you progress, the more time and money you have to invest. Mm -hmm. So we ended up um, swimming twice a day. I was up at five o'clock in the morning from the age of 12 and then going back into the pool again after school. I was training about nine times a week. And then when I went to uni, um, I wanted to keep swimming. So I went to uni in America. I got a scholarship to swim there. I was training about 20 hours a week and doing my full-time degree. So it's one of those sports where you have to be really uh, mentally ready for the sacrifices. It was a brilliant experience. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know if I would get my kids involved because it's a huge sacrifice as a parent financially and like socially. And also like you kind of want your kids to have some time and to be kids as well. But I don't regret being a swimmer. It was, I mean, it's made me the person I am today and I'm very grateful for that. Shana, could you tell us a bit about your experience with swimming? I don't even know where it all started for me. I think I took to the water quite naturally when I was young and then my mother just took me in. You know, when you're little, you just try out different sports. Everyone has that stage, but swimming was definitely the one I took to more. Yeah, I definitely relate to what you're saying. I think people really don't see the connection between competitive swimming and hair for people it's like it's a weird connection to make but what it is between hair is when you're looking for a job especially when you're going into study and you want to look professional and I think I had swimming lessons before school at one point so Thursday morning I always had to come in before school when I got to A level I don't know if anyone remembers school tours that you used to have to do so Mm -hmm. I used to have to tour people around as soon as swimming training finished and I could not get my hair ready between that time and doing tours so it just became unpractical at that point and I couldn't think of any ways around it to get solutions so that's actually when I dropped out of even school swimming and that was the last swimming session I had with me and swimming I like obviously I did the swimming lessons in in primary school and in secondary school with the class I still didn't know how to swim properly until then so like when I was on holidays like uh, my dad's from Brazil and we went there and in that holiday in about six weeks I probably drowned about six times oh my gosh (laughs) so like in the beach in the swimming pools and yeah so when I came back from that holiday I was kind of like okay like I need to know how to swim like I kind of realized this is a survival skill because when I had like I had times where on that holiday where I wasn't ne- near my parents and then like some stranger had to save me oh wow goodness. and then it's kind of like raw like you saved my life kind of and it's like okay if mm-hmm. no one's here I need to be able to save myself in it what about you Nareen can you swim I can swim. I happily yeah. can say it on my chest, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it was in Sports Centre, man. That's the place. That's where yeah. it all started. That that swimming pool there never used to have, like, diving boards, anything like that. All it was was lanes. I had fast lane, yeah. medium lane, slow lane, and, like, a common area. And also a shallow um, pool for kids. I used to like the shallow pool until someone told me it's only warm because um, little kids piss in there. So <laughs> I had to move. I, I had to move into the actual pool and like try out my fears in the deep end. So we mm. done that that test where you jump in and then the instructor puts down the little pole and then you grab it and then he pulls you up. That was my yeah. first experience in water and I was scared thinking I was going to drown um, because 
you're you're like two meters underwater and you're like what six 1.6 meters tall you're you're not your head is way below water you're submerged <laughs> so at yeah. that point i was just like it's either i fear the water or i conquer the water in it and i was mm. like you know what i'm this deep now like i can't get any deeper i'm good swimming played a big part in my life when i was younger man so i can kind of relate to to some of the stories that you guys are telling me but not the drowning mm. one bro i'm sorry i i, I <laughs> drowned six times I must have thought I was Aquaman or something, <laughs> but I survived, didn't it? But that's so normal because, like, kids, like, by nature, like, are fearless, and we love just we love to have fun. Mm-hmm. So it's no surprise that like we venture towards the water without thinking about our safety. Because I was talking to someone yesterday who works for um, a swimming charity, and he said to me, he was like, "Do you know that most kids who drown on holiday drown either on the first day or the last day?" because it's when their parents are most distracted. They're either excited to be there, they're settling in, they're unpacking their stuff and the kid runs off mm. on the first day or the last day, it's the parents are making the most of the sun and they're chilling. And again, the kid is still excited. So like, yeah. it's, it's understandable that like your mentality as a child, you did feel like Aquaman or you were just like living your best life because like you're a kid, like what else are you meant mm. to be doing? The issue behind it is that like a lot of us in the community still don't have that skill to be able to like, well save our own lives if we were ever put in that position mm. where we had to you know mm. that is so true what you're saying as well because um i saw i'm working as a lifeguard now and oh, i sick. do um well i supervise um little kids when they're swimming sessions and i'll tell you that the kids that i think would progress the least are the ones with the most fearful parents i think those are the kids that with their parents that stand by poolside and are so fearful of it the kids that really progress are the ones that just let them make mistakes have their fear with it so i can definitely see the difference a lot of the fear is passed mm. down from the older generation especially within our community mm. that's a common stereotype amongst our community that we are scared of water or like we can't swim uh, that's the first thing santos asked me like can you swim i was like yeah of course i can yeah. swim you know what i'm saying <laughs> but I, it's, it's a common stereotype so i feel like we need to eradicate that from from you know what i'm saying society is going to be hard but like people like seren and shana are just like out here pioneering you know what i'm saying so <laughs> might might be the first to do it yeah, i just wanted to get you know more into the specifics like of the barriers black women face when swimming like you guys both mentioned hair and like having the turnaround time to get ready after swimming and stuff. Could you both talk more about how this affected your swimming experience? I'll be honest with you, when I was younger, I never really noticed any difference. Hair was never a big thing for me when I was younger. It was just, is what it is. And I think as I got older, maybe that's when aesthetics seemed to come into it more and you notice the difference between your white swimmers and your black swimmers. I remember getting braids for the first time and that's what I thought would be the best for my hair when I was swimming um just to protect it put it up and then just deal with it so the braids I got were medium length no one told me I needed to get box braids to get it under a swimming hat so I got medium length hair and I remember me getting it into a swimming hat was like a spectacle for everyone it was like oh is she gonna get it in or not (laughs) I was the only black swimmer in the club at the time so I had no one else to relate to with that struggle so yeah the braids were definitely Oh, I don't know. That was the thing that I thought would help. It probably made it a lot harder for me. White girls used to wash their hair almost three or four times a week after every single swimming lesson. And that's quite damaging on black hair if you want to shampoo it literally every day, like after you swim. So 
there was a lot of difference between my hair routine, their hair routine. Getting changed in the change room was a social aspect after swimming that I couldn't join in on because I had not got to wash my hair as much as they did afterwards. So it does, there is a difference that hair plays a part in. Mm. Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. And I'm I'm a bit different because I like growing up because I've got um, my mum's Zimbabwe and my dad's Welsh. So a mixed race. But my I'm also like the fairer, lighter one of my siblings. So when it comes to my hair, my hair's a lot looser and curl type. So I didn't have the same issues that my sisters have who have like that hair in like the more four, four B, four C categories. But my sister completely went through the same thing as you. We were the only black swimmers on the team as well. Um, But in terms of like the professional look that you're talking about, Shana, my sister was studying to do law. She was going into work experience and stuff. And she said it was implied by people in the industry that in order to look a certain way, it's beneficial. And she felt like having straight hair, having relaxed hair would um, would kind of help her in her career. And unfortunately, when she did give up swimming and she did start relaxing her hair, it was confirmed because she was getting people telling her, oh, yeah, you look very smart today or, oh, you look nice today. And it's when you're getting that confirmation as a 16, 17 year old, that's kind of that's kind of it then it's going to take years to kind of outgrow that mentality that like actually your natural hair is professional like it is mm. it is good enough mm-hmm. yeah i also spoke to a trichologist so um someone who like studies hair when i was doing my bbc documentary and she said that because of um afro hairs naturally drier than other hair textures we have less cell layers which means that it doesn't retain as much moisture so when Afro hair comes in contact with chlorine, it is more damaging for Afro hair if it's not like washed out and conditioned properly. So if you do happen to be a black swimmer with Afro hair and you do happen to be in the water all the time, your hair is going to be much more damaged than, for example, a white swimmer. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com Growing up, I kind of always avoided swimming because of my afro hair. If I do go regularly, I can feel like it can get quite dry. For me to not only wear my natural hair out, but swim and let it shrink, I don't know, I just couldn't do it. Chlorine is so bad for afro hair, and especially if you have it in braids, then it's like really hard to wash out. The only things I really struggled with was like having to put my braids in a swimming cap. Well, I don't have a lot of hair, but what I have got hasn't been affected at all by the swimming. If um, chlorine had the same damaging effect on white hair, would there be the same amounts of chlorine in water or would the regulation service have to do something about it or would they just keep swimming as it is? That is such a good question. I definitely think if that was the case, we'd definitely see a drop in women in the sport, 100%. 
I know that when I was swimming, a lot of the guys I swam with, or actually a lot of the people who had like dyed blonde hair, their hair would go green. So like there were a few white people who also had issues with the chlorine because... Yeah, because there was depending on which pool you go to, you have different chlorine levels. So pools vary in chlorine levels, they vary in temperature, they vary in depth, and all of these kind of contribute to like the condition of the pool. Um, so I like I do know white swimmers who had an issue with it, but um, that would be very interesting because I think swimming already the perception that many of us in not just the black community but other minority ethnic communities have is that swimming isn't made for us. Um, and there's loads of different reasons for that because it's not accessible, it's not very affordable, there's no representation in terms of athletes, coaches, officials, commentators. And I guess if you think about it, like the level of chlorine and the damage that it does to our hair could also contribute to, to someone thinking it's not made for me. So I, I don't know, it would be, it would be interesting to see. Um, I definitely think it would be far more of a male-dominated sport. I definitely agree with that as well. I was just going to say I had loads of friends who had quite light hair and their hair went green as well if they came as much time or people with darker hair used to bleach their hair as well. But I Mm. think um, it's funny because it was never that much of an issue for them either at the time. I think... In fact, them bleaching their hair was kind of seen as a cool thing. You know, you end up with a natural ombre. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my hair in the swimming pool. It was more of a, a down, a disadvantage for us than anything. Um, but it would be interesting to see if they do anything. But I do agree with Sarah. And I think it would affect more gender than race at that point if it was to have the same effect. Do you guys think that this issue is widely spoken upon or is it just like kind of brushed under the carpet? Oh, I have a really like, what really makes me laugh about this is that I think it's more widely spoken about now. But when I was pitching this idea to the BBC, um, I remember going into my interview and the panel was like two old white men and one older white woman. No way. And they just completely did not understand what I was saying. They did not understand. And I literally went in with a swimming cap and I was like, here's the average size of a cap. Like it doesn't fit over... A, many afros, B, long braids, C, locks, dreads, whatever. Um, and they were still like, no, don't understand. Like, surely hair can't be a reason, surely. But I got to the point where I had my iPad with me. I don't know if you guys remember on Netflix, Napoli Ever After came out. Do you remember yeah. that? I think yeah. So. yeah. so I like played the trailer because part of the trailer is her mum being like, Violet, don't jump into that water. Like, I'm telling <laughs> you, stay away from that water because you just had her hair straightened. And I was literally like, preaching to these commissioners like this is a real issue and like we need to talk about it in our community because the only issues we talk about within the community are how expensive swimming is how elite it is which is all true but like this is like an internal problem that we have within our community and it's legitimate and I think the more we kind of talk about it and the more we try to come up with ways to tackle it which you know those people are doing now you know you have different kind of swimming caps you have different hair products for afro hair then we can actually start to like overcome it. Do you think these stereotypes can be like very discouraging? It's funny because what you were saying about different having different like swimming caps and different products and all of that. I think one of the things that especially young black women deal with the most is wanting to fit into a place. And swimming, like any sport, you have like a group of people, like a little squad that you have in your swimming. I think all you want is to be part of that squad. Swimming is quite a cliquey sport, I would say as well. Like you have oh, your own so groups, yeah. yeah, and all the especially mums get involved with it, and you have your own like swimming little group. And I think that. That what black women or girls want the most is just to fit in, not to stand out. So if you have, you know, different swimming hats, girls get afraid, is mine bigger than hers? Am I going to stand out? Do you know what I mean? Am I going to have a, a bigger routine afterwards to get ready? So I think 
what helps as well is having other black women in your sport that have yeah. to do the same thing as you. So you yeah. don't feel like you're the only one. I personally think that would have helped me out a lot. If I saw one, saw someone else struggling with the same length of phrase <laughs> as me trying to get it in the swimming hat, then I would have been like, cool, you mm. and me, sis, is fine. But yeah, <laughs> I get it for sure. <laughs> Nah, that makes complete sense. Like you, you always need someone to like not share the burden with you, but like at least be there to support you because yeah. It, yeah. all in all, it is kind of a um, individualistic sport. So I heard you started the organization, the Black Swimming Association. Could you tell us a bit about why you decided to start that? I decided to do it because after the doc, I ended up getting a lot of emails from people who'd listened in with their stories and experiences. And I happened to get this one email from a woman in Southeast London. Her name's Danielle. And she was like, I was really inspired by your work. I'm currently making a waterproof swim cap for my middle daughter. She hates swimming. She's got tons of hair and it's just like so much effort detangling it. And she said it got so bad that she was detangling Kayla's hair in the changing rooms once and Kayla apparently was screaming her head off. Um, the next thing she knows, someone from the lab centre walks in and says, hi, we've had a complaint that there's a child in distress here. And she was like, wow. oh, my God. That's crazy. Like, this is getting That's like, crazy. yeah, this is getting bad. So wow. she was like, there's no there's no swimming caps out there for um, for like my children. Basically, she has three young children who she teaches how to swim. She was like, fuck this. I'm going to make my own. So she started making mm. her own cap um, and we decided to meet up. So she was kind of telling me her story. I was telling me hers. And we decided to basically set up an association to try to encourage more people in our community to learn how to swim. Unfortunately, because of COVID-19, things are on hold. Yeah. But, you know, we've got partners. We've, we didn't expect it to basically get so much attention. We're officially partners with Swim England. They're backing us. Wow. We've got the backing of Nike Swim. Wow. We've got the backing of... So, yeah, no, it's mad. We're like, oh, shit, go. we didn't think anybody cared. We just thought we'd I be like working that. by ourselves. Um, Nike's so my favourite awesome brand got, as well, so... Mine too, mine yeah, too. Yeah, no, mine too. Hey, mine mine too. three. Yeah. They, they're seeing the yeah. realness in what you're doing, I feel like. They, they understand that it's such an underlying issue that needs to be brought to the surface. So I respect that so much. I really do. I respect that. I'm just going to say thank you, Seren and Shana, for joining the chat. It was very interesting, you know, to have a more deep conversation about swimming. You know, with this whole pandemic, people aren't going to be able to access swimming pools i'm sure like you guys if you wanted to go for a swim right now it would be a bit sticky um <laughs> what else like apart from swimming brings brings you guys joy like what else do you guys do reading books is a great one for me i don't know why i've had no time to read books this whole academic year so i'm back onto it <laughs> in this isolation period and i think definitely facetiming people you need to keep in contact with your friends and your family my family are actually just about to go outside and do an exercise circuit Aww. in our garden <laughs> so i'll tell you how that <laughs> how that goes hopefully that will work Come afterwards on. to bring up spirits sick shada which um modern foreign language do you study so I do French, Spanish and Arabic. Wow. That's amazing. Languages. Yeah. That's so sick. Nah, props to you. Props to you. That's sick. And you, Seren, what else brings you joy apart from swimming? So what I've actually been loving at the moment, I don't know if you guys know, <laughs> Mo the Comedian's been doing the quarantine games on Instagram Live. Yeah. Have you seen on his stories? I've not seen it. So I've, I've been that. tuning into that because that has just been cracking me up. So yeah, just small pleasures, you know, just trying to stay sane and knowing yeah. that we're going to get through it. Sanity in this society, it costs a certain level of isolation. So I feel like this whole time period we've got is it's going to allow us to 
like find our peace in it and like find find things that allow us to just be calm mm. do you know what i'm saying yeah so it's a ren and shana thank you so much for having this chat with us today yeah thank you guys thank you thanks for having us Alright, that conversation was sick, you know, like, we discussed things that I didn't even know about like that. We kind of did highlight the negative things that, that come with, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like, swimming as, as, as a black girl. And like, as we are not black girls, we kind of don't understand the struggles they go through and stuff. And like, it was clearly highlighted to us, you know what I'm saying, mm. through Shana's struggles and stuff. Like, how, how hard it is for her to, like, switch between tours and being and, and finishing a swimming lesson do you know what i'm saying like that that was a, a hard yeah, yeah, yeah. hard part of um swimming for her so i feel like those barriers and issues need to be spoken about more as soon as people listen to that like they, they will take notice of it and like yeah. hopefully share on that that to other people like because the best thing you can do is share information you know exactly bro don't keep that to yourself Thank you for listening to Vent Weekly. I've been Santos. And I've been Nuruddin. And thanks a lot to Seren and Shana for coming on. You can find more of Seren's work on bbc.co.uk. This episode was produced by the Vent production team. Jess Lawson, Emilia Gill, Moeed Majid and Ali Adlington. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. Being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.